Hey there, I'm Danielle Ackeson, and this is the Silver Lining Live podcast. Everyone has a story to tell. I believe something can be learned from every situation. The Silver Lining Life gives everyone a voice. Real life people and experts share their life. They share how they've overcome tragedy, their victories, and their defining moments. So why is this important? Because it's easy to look at a person and think it's been so easy, quick, or perfect for them. But that is so far from reality. There is work, struggle, and heartbreak. As we will learn, a silver lining life isn't a perfect life. It's about enjoying the life you've been given and even those hard times. So sit back and get ready. It's going to be a fun ride. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Silver Lining Life podcast. I am so honored to have my friend Kara Bly here today. She is going to um, share about her nephew, Alec. Um, we are having this conversation right now because it is National Suicide Awareness Month, and um, Kara is going to share um, about Alex. So um, I'm just going to to kick it over to Kara. Um, but before I do, I do want to preface this with I am by no means an expert, and I'm going to try very hard to <laughs> not not put um, my foot in my mouth in any of these concepts, but that is why we're having this conversation um, to show like it's okay to, to not know everything and it's okay to ask questions and, um, and just be open to learning. So um, thank you, Kara, for being here and um, sharing your story. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Um... I'm also by no means an expert at all. Um, I'm just going to share my experience and the things that I've learned from it. Um, and I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to do so because I, for a long time, have known that I would want to share his story a bit and share what I've learned, but wasn't quite sure when and how. So um, I'm really grateful to do this with you. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Well, I'm honored to be here. Um, so let's see. So as Danielle said, I'm here to talk about my nephew, Alec. I'm going to give you a little bit of background of his story. And then, like I said, I'd like to just kind of open this up to share a few of the things that I've learned. I think that, you know, we all perceive things based on our own experiences and our beliefs are shaped by our experiences and I know that from my experience with my nephew a lot has shifted and changed for me and that's what I want to share and it's not I'm not saying that everybody has to share this exact perspective or anything like that but I do think we are way overdue in, in having open conversations about suicide or about mental illness. Um, so that's kind, of, that's kind of my goal here, I guess, today is just to kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, ever since Alec died, it's been very, very important to my family, his family, our friends, to, to do two things, basically. Like, we want to keep Alec's story going and we want to change, well, not change, but maybe end the stigma around mental illness. Um, and again, I want to preface this too by saying that I know everybody's story or everybody's experience maybe with mental illness and or suicide is different. Um, so this is just based on our story. 
So, um, so yeah, we don't want to let his story end. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, there's something called the semicolon project and it's associated with suicide. And I never understood really what that meant. And basically if you're writing something and you use a semicolon, it's because there's more to write in that sentence. You put a period when you're done with the sentence. And so the semicolon project is kind of using that um, to talk about your life, right? So even if you're not here, or maybe if you are here, you want to let your story end yet. Um, you're not putting the period down. And so um, that was something that I learned and I didn't know really what that meant. And so by me sharing Alex's story, maybe this will shed some light um, on ways that you can help people in the same situation or if you're listening and feel the same way Alec did, maybe this will, I don't, I don't know, maybe it'll help, maybe it'll fall on the ears of someone who could really use it. So anyway, um, okay, so like I said, my nephew Alec, he was 16 years old when he died by suicide. Um, he, I know I'm probably a little biased, but he was a very, very handsome boy. He was a quiet kid, but was very nice and always very nice to everyone, had lots and lots of friends. Um, and what he's most known for was his uncanny ability to do crazy backflips. And um, he, could, he could really, he had a lot of control over his body to do lots of, <laughs> I don't know, very scary to me, but very fun to watch um, flips and tricks. Like if he was on a trampoline or when he was skiing, he would do big flips in the air. Um, he loved that. He also loved skateboarding. Um, and so he, you know, he was, he was known for all that kind of stuff. Um, he was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety after a suicide attempt in the spring of 2017. Um, at that point, none of us or his parents or anyone was aware that he had actually attempted a few times before that. Um, but this time was the first time that they knew. And from that point on, um, from that spring until the fall, he spent time in hospitals getting mental mental um, illness help. He was on medications. He was doing therapy. He was doing kind of all the things that were available um, to us, which was a lot. Um, and he had, like I said, tons of friends, a lot of girlfriends, um, and a lot of family, a lot of support, a lot of love. Um, but it, it still didn't, it didn't have the outcome that any of us were hoping for. And so since that happened, like I said, there's just been some things that I've learned along the way, and I think that they might be helpful, um, like I said, in changing the conversation a little bit. Um, this might seem like a silly example, but one of the first things I realized um, about the stigma around this was, okay, so let's take famous people, movie stars, actors, actresses, whoever. I feel like it's very open knowledge when someone is struggling or going through like breast cancer, let's say, or, you know, 
I knew Patrick Swayze had pancreatic cancer because I was a big Patrick Swayze fan. Um, but, you know, we know about the fact that they have these illnesses and that they're going through this journey to try to treat it and maybe, you know, whatever the outcome may be. But we never really hear about when anyone has mental illness until after they're gone. And maybe that's not true for everyone, but I just, I remember when Robin Williams died, Robin Williams died. And that was just so surprising to me because we thought he was so happy because he was funny. Um, and, you know, we're always so shocked, you know, in the most recent years with like Anthony Bourdain or um, Kate Spade. I mean, we don't know these people. They're, you know, famous people, but it's always so shocking to us because we assume that they have everything and these great, amazing careers and, you know, who knows what. But I just found that interesting because I was like, well, why don't we hear about their struggle with mental illness while they're going through it? And that leads me to, to, to kind of question all of that. Now, I have no answers <laughs> by any means, um, but I just think it's interesting and or maybe there's room for change in terms of mental illness treatment or, or what? I don't, on the medical end, I don't really know. I just know that it's gonna be super challenging because, I don't know, if you have some sort of illness, you know, you're gonna to go to the doctor and they're gonna do lab work and they're gonna run tests and they're gonna give you numbers of levels and things like that that are gonna be very subjective and tell you like, this is what you have, this is where you're at, this treatment is working. But with mental illness, it's more like, it's more, they're asking you questions. And if your brain isn't working right, it can be, I'm assuming, very difficult to answer these questions. It can be very subjective. It could be manipulated. Um, so I just think it's really hard. And maybe it's more in-depth than I even know, but I just feel like it's got to be super hard. So then that leads you to, like, is there anything that we can do? Like, what can Oops, what can we do? Sorry, um, my phone just fell. And, you know, I don't know if there was anything different that we could have done to help Alec. I'd like to think maybe there could have been, but I, we just don't know. But I think in terms of ending the stigma around mental illness, I think that's really important because I think for a long time, it's been very shameful, very confusing. Um, people may feel about it because you're supposed to be able to have control over your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. But when things aren't working right or firing right, like how can we expect that? But but we do. So, um, so I I think having, like I said, open conversation to try to initiate change and just talking about things so that people we can all kind of maybe have a better understandings or be more helpful to people. Um, and so again, I don't have all the answers, but these are the few things that I have learned. Um, so in terms of changing the conversation, um, I always use the term committed suicide, right? That's what you say, right? A little while after he, Alec died, his sister sent me an article about how outdated that term is and how it began being used way back in time because committing suicide was like committing a sin or committing a crime because I don't know if it's still illegal to 
<laughs> to kill yourself in every state, but it was in some states up until recently. So that word commit automatically makes it sound like something bad. And so kind of changing the wording around that. So now I usually say Alec died by suicide or, you know, he lost his battle to depression and died by suicide to kind of bring the mental illness aspect into that. And again, everybody doesn't have the same exact situation or story, but that's what um, is our story and what we're kind of working with. So just changing the words around and, and giving people that moment to kind of digest that and, and, and think about it. Um, and to think too about, you know, a lot of people said after Alec died, like, well, he was only 16. What did he have to be depressed about? You know, assuming that like when you're 16, there's nothing hard going on. And, and I feel like when you have a mental illness, maybe you can't deal with difficult things as easily, but I don't even think that it matters if there's difficult things going on or not, because you're struggling every single day with what's going on in your head. So I think that word depressed gets um, used in so many different ways that that can make things unclear. Like we use it all the time. Like, oh, I'm so depressed because I have to go to work or whatever it is. Um, and again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to use that term, but I think that it gets confused. You know, it makes people feel a little confused and not quite understand like the severity of mental illness and what people are struggling with. I mean, again, none of us can, can even imagine what it's like un unless we've actually experienced it. And I think that's the other thing. Um, you know, I've heard, I don't know if I heard it so much with my nephew, but I know I've heard it in the past. I may have even said it in the past. I'm not sure, but when someone, you know, that suicide is selfish because you're only thinking about yourself, like the person that does that. And, you know, obviously we, we feel for the people that are left behind to deal with this and that are hurting. But again, I, I try to think about it and I still can't even fathom what it must feel like to be in such pain and such despair and such struggle that dying seems like the best option, right? Because that's ultimately where some people are at. And I don't know. It's just, we can't understand it unless we're, we're in it. So how do we, how do we help people with something that we might not understand? And I think going forward, if I was ever in a situation where I could potentially help someone that was feeling something like that, I would, I would try to let them know that they can talk to me. I would let them know that I hear them and that I'm understanding as much as I can. Um, because I think too, maybe there, there could be times when people are trying to, to kind of explain that they're not doing well, that they're really struggling and maybe they can't, they can't explain it or they're afraid to explain it or whatever. So we kind of brush it under the rug. Like it's like everybody's dealing with something type of thing. So I, I think letting people know that you are hearing them, that you're there and that even if you don't have the answers or don't know what to do necessarily, that you're there with them 
so that they don't feel alone. I think that's really important too, because I think, again, it's all about being able to open up and have conversations. Um, Because, I mean, we know talking about how you're feeling isn't easy ever, you know, for, for a lot of us, it's not easy. And I think when there's a lot of judgment around it, or maybe even for yourself, a lot of confusion, that makes it even harder. I know like my sister had said, Alex's mom, she had said that she thought one of the main things that Alex struggled with was that he had so much control over his body. Um, in the, the crazy you do like the flips and all that stuff. He had such control over that. He could execute those things um, just by, by thinking about it and looking at it and then doing it. But he had no control over the way his mind was feeling. And I think that was a big, big struggle for him because he felt like he was supposed to, um, or he just didn't understand why, like, why can't I feel better? So, uh, it's, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot out there. I don't know. Do you, do you want to? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you did great. Going. I'm just going. No, everything you said, um, I think is so good. And I think it's important in this conversation. Um, uh, So I want to go back just a little bit to what you were saying on, um, I love that you guys' goal is to keep his story going and then end or change kind of that stigma around mental illness. I love that you guys have taken this horribly tragic event and are, you know, putting, okay, this is going to be our goal. This is going to be our purpose around it because it would be easy to just take your hands off the wheel and you know, whatever. So, so I just, I just wanted to honor you all for doing that. And I think that you do such a great job. Um, you and I became friends after, um, Alec was gone, but, um, I feel like we've talked about him a lot and you share about him so often. Um, it, it just always just tugs at my heart. Um, you know, but, but you share it so naturally and normally that it, like, I don't think it's odd for me to be like, oh yeah, I remember this is an Alec picture when you post like his work on on Facebook and things like that. And I just feel like it has really kept his spirit alive, um, which I think is just incredible and it has to be so hard. Um, So I just wanted to honor you guys in that because I think you do an amazing job with that. Um, I think that you made a really good point though, of we normally have no idea what people are going through. Um, you know, the Robin Williams example or Kate Spade, such a good example of, we truly have no idea. And of course people don't want to share from, you know, as they say, like within the wound, (laughs) you know, they want (laughs) to share from the scar. Um, but also that's kind of dangerous because what, what if it doesn't, heal, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so then people don't know. And, and I think that that's hard. Um, and something you and I have talked about, um, quite a bit is, um, like men especially have a hard time sharing kind of what's going on. You know, they're, they're taught to be strong and, um, you know, just kind of the backbone of the family or, or whatever it is. And so I think that it's harder for men and even boys to share because, you know, we come kind of from a society that says like, well, boys shouldn't be crying and they shouldn't be having any of this. And I know you're raising boys. So how Mm -hmm. do you kind of navigate that with your kids? Um, that's, it's a good question. And it's something that, well, the boys were 
so young, I guess, when he died. But it, it is something that I've always felt was super important was that I wanted, I think true, like, let's say strength comes in being vulnerable. Um, and I think it's very, I agree, very thera- therapeutic or healing to be able to be with emotions and know that emotions are emotions. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just emotions. And to be able to be with them and then like process them and move on with them, I think is really, really important, but it's, it's not easy because as society, other family members, like they don't, they don't get that at all. (laughs) Um, You know, if, you know, my son is crying because he's hurt, I want him to cry because he's hurt, but then I want him to know that he's going to be okay. He will be okay. I, I really don't want a lot of stuffing down of emotions um, because I think we've seen that um, this isn't necessarily suicide, but mental illness. Like we've seen a lot of really tragic and horrible events happen in our country that were all, um, you know, they were, they were all happened. Like the people that were involved in it were all young males, you know, like I started to, did you notice that trend with all the different yes. school That's shootings and all that stuff? They were all young men and in their twenties or whatever. And I just felt like I don't want like, that's not good. <laughs> it's, it's obviously horrible. And how can we raise boys that feel okay, you know, sharing their feelings, expressing their feelings, their emotions and being with them so that they don't get suppressed. And then, you know, eruptions and, you know, blow, you know, people blowing up because it's too much. And I mean, life just keeps getting, you know, more challenging every single day too. And we're facing new things. Um, you know, every generation is facing new things, um, that are challenging with social media, with everything. There's always new things going on. And so it's just a matter of navigating it with an open mind, I think, and knowing what your goal is, you know, like I know, like I said, it's my goal to raise boys that don't, push their feelings down that feel safe enough to, to be heard. So I just, when the example, when opportunities arise, I just try to use them as, as teaching moments, but it's definitely, it's definitely not easy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And obviously I'm a boy mom too. And, you know, that is something that, you know, we talk about in, um, you know, and I've already seen as, as my kids are getting older and they're in school, how, um, they maybe aren't sharing those feelings at school, but as soon as they hit the door, like you can see it like coming out and like this happened and I was so, so upset and so embarrassed or so hurt or, or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, well, it's, it's okay that you don't feel like you can't express it there, but thank God you feel safe to say it right. here, you know? And, yeah. um, and while I want society to be ready for, for boys to be able to share in that way, because I feel like a girl, it would be, it would be perfectly fine for her to like, oh, I got hurt on the playground and, and I, I'm upset about it or, oh, I'm embarrassed because I fell down. Um, I, I don't know that like boys feel that yet. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of is heartbreaking. And so I think that that's a huge thing in um, having these conversations is, you know, that that's part of the, the stigma around it because it can lead right. to bigger things. Um, right. And not to say that that's in relation to what happened to Alec or anything like that, but um, obviously it, 
just as yeah. this whole conversation. That's <laughs> right. Right. That, yeah. That's part, all part of it. Yeah. Um, um, I appreciated so much you explaining, um, committed suicide versus died by suicide. Uh, I for sure have been guilty of, of saying, you know, committed suicide um, without knowing all of the background behind it. And so I just really appreciated you educating in that regard. Um, because I think that how we say things and how we word things is really important. And, um, and just, it, it seems so crazy that that would be associated with like committing a crime. Um, I, that's, that makes it even more sad, I think. I know in the article before we chat today, so I review it easily, but it, there was a lot more to it and it was really, really interesting. Okay, so we're almost to the end of our time here and I want to ask like how, because you talked about how your, your family's mission is kind of to keep um, Alex's story going and kind of to end or change the stigma around mental illness. So what are like specific ways that you guys are doing that? Well, you know, my, my sister and her family, they, they are like the most incredibly strong people that I've, I've ever known. And they have, they do a lot of work. Um, Alex's death was a catalyst, really, for what is now my sister's um, main passion, and she's created a business out of this. Like she has create, she creates and sells CBD products um, because when Alec was using or getting all the different medicines um, to help him with his depression, she had already been looking into more natural roots and she learned so much about CBD and how it works within our body. So, um, once this happened, she was like, no, I need to make sure that anyone who wants to go this route and use CBD for anything, really not just uh, mental illness, but including mental illness, that this is available to them. And she wanted to make sure that it, it's a very, um, safe and pure product so she has built this this company and the company does so much other than just providing these great CBD products. Like they give portion of all of her sales goes back to support um, different foundations that help with mental illness and um, suicide. That is the biggest one because there's a lot of education that goes into like that's part of her business. Like she wants to educate people about CBD, how it works with your body, how it works with your brain, about mental illness um, also in general and ways that you can get help. Um, so that's one way. And I think that's a big way because there's a lot of Alec and a lot of little pieces that have gone into like their design and their logos and, and things like that. They also set up a scholarship, um, like a memorial fund scholarship for graduating seniors from his high school, um, where two seniors get awarded each year. They have to fill out an application. If there's someone that's interested in um, a career in mental health or human resources or in the trades, because Alec was just kind of getting interested in carpentry right before he died, um, 
they give scholarships to two kids in his name. It's the Alec J. White Scholarship Memorial Found, um, Fund. So we just actually had a big fundraiser for that with these really cool t-shirts. Um, what else? I feel like there's more and I'm not being able to remember it. We also okay. do a walk every year. There's, um, there's an organization called the National Alliance of Mental Illness, um, NAMI for short, and they run, they hold walks every year in different parts of the country. And so we get together and we take part in that also. And um, even though it's such a tragedy and sad story, usually the day of the walk is a really, really good day. Um, because it's his friends and all of our family and friends of family. Um, and we have hats made and shirts made and the weather always seems perfect. And it's just a really nice day. So we do that. And then, I mean, we kind of use social media to try to share articles and share information that we think can be helpful to people um, that way too. But I think the business like her, her CBD company is making, like producing the most change, I think, the most um, needed change out there and helping so many people um, in so many different ways. I, I love that. I think that that's amazing. And just all of those little pieces, you know, they, they create the, the ripple, you know, to, to make yeah. change, um, which, you know, I think a lot of times we get stuck in, okay, how can I make you know, big change, big, you know, movement in all of this. And, um, I think a lot of times it's just, it's just the little pieces that lead to bigger pieces that, you know, lead to the, right. the big change. So I think that that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay. So we're at the, at the top of our time. Um, and I, I'm not going to ask all of my usual questions because it just feels kind of inappropriate, but what, what is your advice or encouragement for somebody who is kind of maybe at the beginning of, of your journey with all of this? Like what, what, um, advice or what's on your heart for them? Oh, um, that's a good question. I think, you know, I think the greatest advice that I was given when I was right at the, the beginning or in the midst of all of this came from a friend who who had gone through this herself with a parent. Um, and it was about grief because I, I thought I had experienced grief, but this took it to a whole nother level where the grief was, it was almost like I could feel it in my body. Like it was that it was tremendous and it still is. Um, but she, she explained to me, to like be with the grief when it comes and that it comes and goes. It was almost like being on a boat and like sometimes it's smooth sailing and then sometimes there's big, huge waves that kind of knock you off course. And hearing that just for some reason made me feel better because it would feel like grief would sucker punch me out of nowhere all of a sudden, like sometimes many times a day or, you know, just when you weren't really expecting it. So knowing that that was kind of normal, that other people experienced it and, um, and that, you know, I can't say that it, like it gets better, but that you, you do have smooth sailing, at, you know, in your future. Um, and I think to being able to talk about Alec has been really good because you, like you said, you've been 
such a gracious friend who has asked questions. Sometimes other friends or family or just people in general, they don't know what to say, so they don't say anything, but that actually makes it feel more weird. Um, on my, like for me anyway, it would make me feel more weird because I think me bringing him up would make other people uncomfortable. So then I wouldn't want to do it, but I wanted to do it because it made me feel really good. So, um, so thank you for always asking and listening. Um, but I think that that's an important thing too, is if you want to talk about your loved one, talk about them, like keep sharing their story and keep sharing because you never know who it can affect and touch in a positive way. Oh yeah. Um, it's, I, I do think that it is, um, it's so hard for some people, like, you know, it makes them uncomfortable because they don't want to make the other person uncomfortable. And so then they right. kind of shy, shy away from it. And right. I think that that's like a totally normal, um, yes. reaction. Um, Definitely. and I, I, I for sure have probably been very guilty of that myself oh, me as too. well. Me too. Um, but, but I really appreciate you saying that because I think it gives people kind of that courage to like, okay, well, I may not say the right thing and I may not, may not do the right thing. Um, but I'm trying, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, it's okay if it's awkward. Um, and I, I feel like you and I just have that kind of friendship where it's okay if it's awkward. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and we can have those um, strange conversations. Um, but I want to go back to the boat analogy before we end this, because I think that that is so, so beautiful and so perfect um, in, in terms of grief, because I think sometimes we have this misconception that, you know, one day I'm just going to be on the other side of this. And right. that's, that's not reality. And there's always going to be something that's going to kind of rock the boat here and there. Um, but maybe you go through longer periods of, of the stillness. Um, so I think that that is the most beautiful and perfect analogy for that. What a, what a mm -hmm. gift that, that you had that so early on. Mm -hmm. I think to another grief analogy that really helped, and it might've even been from the same person was that like, you never stop grieving them because you never stop loving them. And it's oh, wow. the amount of grief you have kind of equates to the amount of love you have for them, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, that for some reason always gave me a little bit of comfort too, because, you know, obviously I loved him so much. I still love him so much. So my grief is like equates to that. It's like just on the other end of the spectrum type of thing. That makes yeah. Sense. No, yeah. that, that is huge too. I think that 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 does make a lot of sense. And I don't think I've ever heard anything like that before, but I think that that makes so much sense. And like you said, before that you have felt like you had experienced grief. Um, but this like really took you out. And, and I think mm -hmm. that that makes sense because I mean, just, just me even remotely thinking about this happening to my nephew, like it, it almost takes my breath away, you know? Right. So, um, and not that I can even fully imagine what, what that feels like for you and your family, but, you know, just almost like trying to put myself in, in those shoes. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, is there anything else at all that you like is on your heart that you want to share or do you feel like we have, we've done it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we've definitely done it, but who knows, maybe we can do it again and it can be something a little different, you know, like I feel like yeah. this is definitely an evolving, um, evolving thing. You know, it's an evolving topic. We're navigating through it. We're learning different things all the time. So, um, 
it, like, I just love that you gave me the opportunity to have this conversation with you because I think it's a conversation worth having and hopefully other people will have as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that this conversation gives other people permission to, to have these talks and to have these hard conversations, um, either about their own mental health or, you know, just reaching out to somebody who has gone through, um, something similar to you and your family. Um, I, I just, especially right now, I think it's really important as people are more isolated than they've ever been, um, and are experiencing just really, you know, financial trouble and, and, you know, all of those sorts of things, um, you know, in the wake of COVID, I think it's, uh, has really just broken open a lot of, of wounds. So, um, I think that these conversations are important and I hope that it, it is a little ripple for, for other people. So thank you so much for sharing and being so open, um, about your story and your life. And I love you so much, Kara. Oh, thank you. Love you too. Thank you for letting me share this here. It means a lot. Hey, I hope you loved that episode. If you did, please rate, subscribe, and share with anyone you feel needed to hear that message. Also, please find me on social media at The Silver Lining Life because I would love to hear your favorite takeaways from today's episode. Can't wait to hear from you soon. Thanks for being here. Bye.